Hello and good evening and welcome to another episode of Religions, Regimes and Refugees and their Multicultural Scam um, and Secular Mass. I think I just inverted that, but it doesn't mind, it's still the same. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me again today. Um, it is an absolute honor to have you. Welcome to the podcast. If you're listening from India, namaste, namaskar, uh, bonjour, hello, bon dia. Uh, good morning if you're in Germany, wherever in the world, buenos dias, um, um, namaskaram, and salam alaikum. I hope you're having a great day, uh, wherever you are in the world. And today we're going to continue our talk on the on the model, modern Middle East and Israel. So we talked about uh, the Islamic points, uh, Islamic uh, positions and their geographical, the ideological space in modern history. And today we're going to talk a very important player in the Middle East, Israel. So let's get down to it and we will have a great, uh, a great uh, topic to discuss today. Um, one cannot talk about the modern Middle East today without talking about Israel. If you, tra- if you travel from Western Sahara to, the su- to South Asia and Southeast Asia, Israel is the most successful country. Yet it is the most hated country in the region. Conflict is what defines its existence. Uh, citizens are not even considered Middle Eastern or Arab. The concept of Arab is not ancient is not an ancient one too. There was no Arab world when the original kingdom of Israel was born or no mention of it uh, at least to my knowledge. <clears throat> Besides, who owns the concept of Arab? So why do Arabs hate them? Today, of course, even Arabs are despised all over the world. A bad reputation is an understatement. How long has this gone on for? I visited a pizzeria once and the man behind the counter who was an Arab and knew my friend and myself due to our frequent visits once told us no Arab will trust another Arab. It means they will always make up conspiracy stories which ends up in some type of dispute or conflict and before you know it, you have war. It stunned me. Now the Jews are descendants of Arabs too. They were all nomads. They broke into separate clans, tribes, kingdoms and tribes and empires. When the Temple of Jerusalem was destroyed after the first Babylonian invasion, the Hebrew tribes spread all over the world. They mixed with the locals for generations. And today we have Hebrews now called Jews or different of different colors, shapes and cultures. At the onset, they were all nomadic people from the Middle East. So is this the ancient Arabic mentality, the currents of disdain against the Hebrew state? Why does one not trust each other? Well, because we cannot trust ourselves. Why do we not trust ourselves? Well, we do not know who we are. We are brainwashed from birth to believe that we belong to a certain label. And we are obligated to fall in line with that label. So if we don't know who we are, we will never be at peace with ourselves. That leads to conflict within our psychic. 
The conflict in our minds transfers to the conflict in public, and we get battles and wars. The region of the Middle East has lost, lost its knowledge for many moons, so conflict in our minds goes back ten thousands of years. I was reading an article on the internet about the ancient Israelites on the west coast of India, which I said which said that they had trouble even before with local Hindus. They did not allow Hindus to practice their own faith in their own backyard. I thought, what a weird statement to make about history. But the book that contained the original article was no longer available, so I could not back it up. If certain groups of Hindus were angry with the Israelite establishment, trying to get rid of them would have been a fervent prayer. When the Portuguese arrived in, on the western coast of India, forming an alliance with them to strengthen their power and take, and take back the power, um, it would have been a, f sorry, um, a fantastic goal. That's how the Portuguese would have gotten to Goa. An alliance with certain Hindu groups or any locals of the region and off went the Israelites and their allies. To match that history, I tried to match it with the current currents of the modern-day Jews. The Israelites of the old are the modern-day Orthodox and ultra-Orthodox Jews. So those who, who we consider Israel, um, uh, Israelites in the old, if you want, in the old days, for 3,000 years, if you want to understand who they were, you just got to look at the Orthodox, the modern Orthodox, or the ultra-Orthodox Jews, um, and you will know who they were. So the Orthodox or the ultra-Orthodox is a derogatory term which the community does not like. They call themselves Haredi, or plural, Haredim. They are different movements or denominations within the greater Haredi community. Haredi means one who fears God, someone who is pious, who submits to God's will and commandments, and is basically pure in his relationship with God. Though, alt though the Orthodox movement began only in the, in the mid-18th century, they are the group that really follows the teaching and ideology of the people of the book. They live secluded lives away from the secular world to preserve their purity. They do not consider other Jewish groups, leave alone non-Jewish groups, as pure people of God. I tried watching documentaries and researching any material I could find on Orthodox or ultra-Orthodox Jews. <coughs> Sorry about that. What I found was stunning. In modern-day Israel, they are a powerful force. They have seats in the Knesset, that is the Israeli parliament. They have their own religious areas in Jerusalem, schools and colleges. They even have religious buses. That means when you enter an Israeli bus, if it's religious, then men sit in front and the women sit behind. Uh, even if there is no place behind the bus, but the men have ample place in the front, the women have to stand in the back. In a plane, an Orthodox, an Orthodox Jew can refuse to sit beside women passengers 
and often asked them to move to another seat. As in, in a case of a Holocaust survivor, Rene Rabinovitz. As of 2019, the Haredi political party, parties in Israel have asked for a ban on the sale of entry tickets for the biblical zoo or on Shabbat, which is Saturdays and Jewish holidays. The biblical zoo is one of the most beautiful parks in Israel, which is visited by hundreds of visitors from all over the world every year. If you go to ultra-Orthodox areas, there are signs telling you to dress modestly or not enter the area. They have local Haredi men patrolling the area, like Muslims have Sharia patrols. In shops, they have separate lines for women and men. In their bookstores, they only sell Hebrew religious books. They were conditioned to wear the same clothing, in the same name of modesty. In some streets, men and women are not allowed to walk or on the same side of the street. If you notice an ultra-Orthodox Jewish man in his black robes, he will never look at a woman in the street, or he will bow his head down, or he will tilt his hat over his eyes to avoid contact. They are not allowed to look at women this is similar to what is written in the Quran 24.31, that's Surah 24, verse 31. However, Judaism existed before Islam. So how do they share this ideology? From the people of the book. Today, they call themselves Haredi. In a Haredi divorce, it's the man who has the ultimate authority to give the divorce. Although what the Jewish law says could be different or interpreted in different ways. All of this causes massive conflict with secular Jews. However, the ultra-Orthodox establishment has all the power. By 2030, it is predicted that the ultra-Orthodox will form 30% of the Israeli population. But men do not work as they, do, as they have to study the Torah. So their women are the bread earners in many cases in Israel. It is a situation that is changing, which, is, which has to be said. In Europe and America, the men also work out of necessity. They live in tight-knit communities, so they help each other out. When, the number, when a member is in need, if you penetrate their community, you will also face aggression. Since they have high birth rates, they always need more space. They are expanding into everyone's territory. If the surrounding communities are not orthodox, ultra-orthodox, their secular neighbors become really offended and feel encroached. They know if the numbers of these orthodox communities increase, then they will lose their own communities and freedom. Arguments and conflict ensures, and then violence. Um, the violence on the in inside attracts violence on the outside. And here we go. This is the dark side of the modern-day Israeli king, uh, country, which they work. We are working hard to dilute. The fact remains that it is one of the fundamental problems of the modern Israeli state a problem that goes back to its original kingdom founded by King David. 
Thus, it is this internal conflict that attracts the external violence of Palestinians. Um, of course, the Palestinian people have the same exact problem on the other side, with their hardcore Islamist organizations who want power, for which they have to keep their congregations as slaves and migrant workers, refugees for generations. It produces massive internal conflict and a power struggle for centuries. The same narrative, but different power players. The power struggle to fit the people into a box that is controlled by the establishment attracts the conflict on the outside. Thus, the worst problem for the modern Israeli state is not the external Palestinian issues, but the conflict which the Orthodox on the inside has on but the conflict with the Orthodox on the inside. The worst problem for the Palestinians is not the conflict with Israel, but the conflict with their own Islamic establishment on the inside. The internal revolt bubbles up to a crescendo, and you guessed it, we have war. Cycle after cycle, this is the same story. The story is one of ancient power struggles that is camouflaged by the facade of God and his divine intervention for power. On the Israeli side, the ultra-Orthodox or Orthodox Jews are the descendants of the ancient Israeli Hebrew establishment. I'm sorry. They considered themselves the people of the book. They were the only ones who were pure and followed the true laws of Moses in the Torah, according to them. They deposed the Yehud people, or people of the tribes of Judah and Judea. They tried everything to expel the Christian movement that was born out of the frustrations of the Yehud tribes and Judea, but, preferably, pref, but preferred to ally with the Muslims and Islamic empire, with whom they intermarried and have given all their literature. They refused to ally with the Yehud, who were also descendants of the twelve tribes of Israel. Today, history repeats itself. Here is another take on the situation. What have Orthodox Jews contributed to this planet in the terms of science, evolution, anything? Secular Jews have, but not Orthodox Jews. Look at Islam, their colonial cousins. What has Islam contributed to the planet that is original to them and not rebranded from another civilization. Both get a zip. Reason. They both are from the same feudal root. The ultra-Orthodox or the Haredi consider the state of Israel illegal and does not recognize it, but insist that they believe that they are on a land given by God and the Torah. They are the only real people chosen real chosen people of God, who follow the true laws of Moses. They prefer to side with the Palestinians than secular Jews. Translation, they want totalitarian control of the Temple Mount, like the ancestors who formed the geopolitical alliance with the Ishmaelites, later called Muslims. They believe that by siding with the Palestinians today, they will at one point get the Temple Mount back, and find the true fate again. It does not make any sense, but it is what it is. The Palestinians are the same. When Islam invaded in 
invaded in alliance with Israelite tribes to take over Jerusalem in 637 AD, the Umayyad Caliphate ended up having two civil wars within a span of 60 to 70 years. Wars that took place around mostly Damascus and Baghdad. Look at Syria and Iraq today. The same place, different time, 1400 years apart. The players have changed, but the mentality has not. Islam blames the Jews. However, the Jews were not the problem then, and they are not the problem now. They just cannot get along with each other. The Jewish groups are all the same. Each group and subgroup wants power. It's not the label that defines the mentality. It is the mentality that defines the label. It is the same currents, but the waves are different. Then why don't they stop? Well, because they are, just like the rest of us, ignorant and brainwashed, relics of empires. The empires are dead. But their divine departments are open for business, and they need our human capital to resurrect their empires. Today's modern people are conditioned to remain ignorant by their respective establishments and therefore choose to repeat the errors of the past. This is one of the reasons that the Hebrew-Israelite presence on the western coast of India disappeared. They became so corrosive, eccentric, divisive, they could have alienated the remaining people of the area. Uh, the Hindus, the first chance that produced itself and grabbed was grabbed, and off the Hindus, the Hebrews disappeared. Look at Europe and the Holocaust. It's no doubt that the European Christians who did not like the Jews practiced anti-Semitism. Did the problem start with the Orthodox Jews? However, which Jews are we talking about? There were entire localities with only Orthodox Jews. The bulk were Eastern Europe, the bulk were in Eastern Europe, that is Poland and Lithuania. They were all they were all but wiped out. The Orthodox Jews were poor but had to live within their suffocating lifestyle. The establishment ruled over the communities with an iron fist like the Orthodox Jewish community of today. You think the locals liked them. They would have fe felt encroached, fed up and disgusted. The first chance they got, they kept silent and let the Nazis get rid of them. The same thing would have happened to India with the Portuguese Inquisition. Just because we've forgotten doesn't mean there was no Holocaust. There was one, and it's time we remember. As Jesus would have said 3,000 years ago, what are the lessons we can learn from the junctions of the past? How can we adjust, balance the positive and negative, and free ourselves from the form of our physical life? How can we be free-flowing metaphysical? Israel needs another exodus today if they want a future another exodus from their physical and ideological Mitzrayim. An absolute warning to every single society who suffocates its people with man-made customs and traditions in the name of the divine. It will end in a holocaust. So I come back to the basics. 
A long time ago, a few intelligent Bedouin gave their fellow Arabs the code to decipher an ancient knowledge of the cosmos, which I hope and pray they will adhere to. Mohammed said read, Jesus said to have a dialogue. Abraham said to cross over from violence to peace. Hopefully this time it will work and we can make Arabia great again. So this is my little uh, write-up on the modern Middle East in the context of Israel. This entire land is absolutely beautiful. Arabia is great. I have nothing against Arabia. I have nothing against the people. I do have something against these ideologies which have suffocated the people and caused nothing but violence because we are the same people as our ancient nomads. The labels have changed, but the, but the mentality has not. If we are to heal, we have to remove those labels. We have to look under the layers and layers of currents and waves that have formed who, who we are. At one time, this entire land from Western Sahara to Indonesia and beyond was Vedic. And there was no barriers for them. Today, we have bro broken down into countries, tribes... Uh, what have you communities and we're fighting more today to keep these labels when these labels are just a perception of our mind so I'm going to take a little break here I'm going to end this podcast and uh, compared to my other podcast this seems like a very small one now um, but I am going to come back with the history I repeat the history of Judaism Christianity and Islam. So we're going to have about three, four episodes on Judaism. I will start off today and continue tomorrow. But uh, we're going to learn about the history of these three groups because everyone talks about ideology, no one talks about history, and we're going to connect the dots from one to the other. I hope this is a. Um, I hope you've got your paper and pen ready um, to take notes. And absolutely, we will be happy. Uh, to go forward and um, and and discuss this topic, uh, you can discuss it with your friends. You can uh, absolutely uh, discuss it with your family, and you will have a better idea of the Middle East and how it overflowed into the Indian subcontinent. It has been overflowing for a very long time because the Indian subcontinent was the first land of grass and green weather, food and water for these uh, people who were caught in the middle of this um, constant turbulence. So I wish you a great evening. Uh, take a break and come back.